Hey there, it's DM Scott. That's right, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, the chubby guy wearing the This Is How I Roll t-shirt. Why don't you ditch that ratty old t-shirt that's two sizes too small for you? Where'd you get that? Baby Gap? Head on over to our Merchant Morris store on our epic new website. Grab yourself some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. You won't regret it. Rock that t-shirt like the nerd boss you are. It's sleek and it's black, and everyone knows that black is slimming. Hell, I look like a slender 3XL when I'm wearing this black shirt. Not only will you look deceptively less chunky, but with that bold red and white logo, you'll look like a superhero. And who doesn't want to look like a superhero? So head on over to the DungeonMastersDojo.com merchant more to fill your bag with our swag. See you next time in the dojo. So your time has come to sit in the big chair. No, I don't mean captaining your own starship. I mean running the game. Whatever you call yourself, sitting in the seat is a big responsibility. So we're here to help you. It's knowing your role this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Greetings and salutations, DMs, GMs, referees, judges, and all other varieties of storytellers. I am Lewis, and as always, I'm accompanied by the Ayatollahs of Dice Rollers, our hosts, Scott and Bill. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. How you guys doing this evening? Excellent. Yourself? Yeah. Not, not bad. We're doing a podcast. Well, this is, this is a new and interesting thing, huh? Yeah, yes, it is. Late, lots of chords and uh, technology and stuff like that. It's... Uh, well, the, the big leagues now. I guess if you want to call it the big leagues, yes, we will. I think a more medium league, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so why don't, why don't you tell us on what we're going to be talking about this evening, Scott? Uh, it's knowing your role. Well, what is it exactly that's expected of you as a dungeon master? What do you do? That's something I need to know because um, I'm here learning to be the DM one day. Well, we're going we're gonna to hopefully teach you. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a few pointers here and there. Yes, and, I, and not just me, but everybody else that's going to be listening to this. I think this will be good for everybody. That's good. I, um, I guess we had like 33 people or something close to that listening to our session zero. So that's, I don't know if that's good or not, but I'm pretty happy that there's 33 people between the United States and Canada. that, <laughs> <laughs> And we're doing it organically right now, too. We're not even putting the word out there yet. No so. pesticides, no harsh fertilizers, totally organic. Yep. <laughs> I know I'm free range. I've been caught in grazing in the backyard more than once. <laughs> All right, so take us on our on our on our journey and um we'll get started. Well, being the dungeon master, I think we touched on this uh a little bit in our session zero. Not too much, but uh just enough to give you a little taste of it. Um it's uh it's a pretty big job. There's uh a lot more to it than being uh, being just a just a player enjoying themselves at the table, um, it's a different kind of enjoyment. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, Bill. But I I've been game mastering probably a whole lot more than playing. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I enjoy playing, um, but the the whole the whole scenario about being the game master is has always been a very very attractive to me uh, for a number of reasons. A lot of those we're going to be going over, uh, but yeah, that's I think probably out of the 
multiple decades I've been doing this. Uh, probably spent 10 years as a game, you know, gamer, player, and another 40 as the game master. So with that said, if somebody's just getting started in, into gaming, what is the first thing that they should be doing to, to be ready to be a GM or a, de- a game master? <laughs> buy all the books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, buy, yeah, definitely buy all the books. Um, and uh, sit next to that person in the gaming group that really knows the rules a lot better than you because it's hard to um, learn all the rules and um, create uh, a campaign or even even a four-hour session. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it, believe it or not. To do it well, you know, it requires a lot of balancing. It requires a lot of a lot of research, or at least on my part, I like to do a lot of a lot of research into into things. Um, what makes a well balanced encounter? So sit next to that guy that or that gal that knows the rules a lot better than you do. Uh, they're going to be very very helpful. Whenever whenever I'm running our big game, there's always someone at that table, whether it be Jared or or, or Corrick, that just knows the rules far better than I. There's something to be said for having a rules lawyer in your pocket. Um, because again, um, I'm, I at the older versions, I knew the rules inside and out. I can quote you not only what page it was in and which book, but which paragraph, which column, um, the newer versions, I haven't gone in, I haven't delved into it that deep. Uh, I'm more concentrating on the story. Uh, so it's, you're, like you said, it's good to have that one person that knows the rules in and out where you can just kind of give a sideways glance and you get the, the nod yes or the nod no or the, or the rolling of the eyes going, oh, crap, I really screwed that one up. <laughs> well, I think we've, we've been kind of lucky with our group, um, whereas our rules lawyers, if you want to call it, they really they just help us all out at the same time. They don't yeah. use the rules for themselves, and um, they don't use the rules to hinder people at the same time. Right, right. That's when it really comes in handy is when there's that impartial approach to um to the rules especially when we started playing fifth edition because we went from second edition 2.5 yeah 2.5 to 5 so we uh skipped decades and that was uh a system i was very comfortable with um i didn't have the obnoxious habit that bill did of being able to quote the page the rule was on but (laughs) um i was pretty pretty well versed um, in the rules, even if I was uh, rusty from a layoff, um, so having having that having that person that really knows their their stuff uh, is 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 huge huge help. I'm going to agree with that, yeah. Because um, the couple times I did it, I I looked from inspiration from you guys, uh, both of you, and the uh, other players at the table, just to feel comfortable sitting at the head of the table because you are the storyteller, and there's a lot going on. And um, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. Even if you've been doing it for a while, it could be, um, it could be challenging, especially. And I think every group has has players like this. They they throw you those curveballs you weren't expecting. I I think that takes us to our to one of our points pretty quickly too. Um, we're talking about make sure you have your rules, make sure you have your books, make sure you have people. Um, that's may, important. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, just having two people on your campaign could be a little monotonous after a while. Um, but get a group of people that are interested. And then the next thing is to put together a story. So um, what do you think about, um, the, uh, the pre-written 
you know, the retail, retail stories. The modules, yeah. Um, Do they call them modules anymore? Uh, that's I don't, a, I don't think they call them modules. That again, I'm going back that, to two point yeah, five. That's we, what they used to call dating them. ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the prefab stuff. Um, I've never been a fan of them. Uh, what I I'll purchase them. I will read them. I will dissect them and take parts of a variety of them, put them together, and use them in my own campaign, in my own scenarios. Uh, it's like, oh, that's a really cool set of traps, or that's a really good encounter, or that's a really good this, or the castle layout on this one's actually fantastic for what I have in mind. So I, to actually follow them, and, I, and I, don't get me wrong, they have their merit, and for people who are just starting, I think it's a great way to get going. So you don't have to be the one that comes up with all the, the stuff, especially if you're not one of those people that are gifted with an overactive imagination. Or if you don't have time, you know. If or you're, you know, yeah, that's, there's always you know. that too. You need to put something together really quick. Um, it, but I've never been um, a person who really uses them very often, at least not in the, the form that they were printed in. Um, I've, like I said, I've dissected them and I've used bits and pieces and, and melded them together into a grand, you know, brand new monster. And, uh, and that's how I've used them. Yeah, I, I mean, myself, I tried to use them once and I just found them a little bit more confusing than the way. I would have did it the way you guys showed me to is how you do your layout on the paper. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was a problem for me. Yeah. I had to, I have to really get inside my head to uh, run a game and I can't do that usually with the retail um, modules or or, or campaigns. Um, The stuff that wizards of the coast is putting out now is really pretty, Um, but it's, it's big. Yeah. Um, And you know, it's almost like doing homework. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas the the smaller ones, you know, the paperback deals that had uh, that were probably hand stapled in Gary Gygax's basement uh, by him and a bunch of his buddies, they uh, they were a little bit more manageable in size and more of an outline really than anything else. They weren't weren't really in depth uh, right. pieces of work, um, and I think that was what contributed a great deal to me being able to create my own. Uh, stories or campaigns was there was a lot of stuff back then that you really had to fill in that um, just isn't there now. And I haven't, I haven't run any of these new campaigns, but I own, I own all of them. I don't know why it's a habit, but uh, (laughs) I like to look through them and, and read them. And they're a lot more, they're a lot more in depth than the, uh, the older stuff. I guess it's a sign of the times. Well, I I think they're just trying to bring their world to life now more than it Mm -hmm. was before. Yeah, and and they're doing a pretty good job of it. I would I would say there's not a lot of uh, gaps you have to fill in. But then again, the big difference between then and now, and you remember this, both of you, is um, the world was a brand new place, and now we're what forty fifty years into Faerun. Yeah, and I don't even know how long it's been for Dark Sun or any of these other things. But it was a uh, high school for me when these things started coming out. So it's. You know, there's been decades to kind of flesh it out. It's grown a lot. Yep. Agreed. As I said, it takes us back to the story. Um, hey, well, you're a storyteller. I mean, that's yeah, pretty you, much you, your... That's exactly what you are. You're a storyteller. And how you paint the picture, how you put it out there. Um, I've always said, it, you know, we use the term theater of the mind a lot. Uh, but it's filling in the... Not filling in the blanks. It's painting the picture for them so... Everyone's good. Everyone hears it and interprets it differently. But the more detail you put into it, the less interpretation is necessary for the individuals. So that way it, they're more likely to follow the, 
the directive that you've put forward and see the same picture that you envisioned with detail. I think detail is uh, is a big thing. It's huge. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah I, it's, I agree. Or you walk into a bar. Okay, what's it look like? It's a bar. Yeah. What's it smell like? Yeah. You know, yeah. How many people are in it? Yeah. Uh, you know, or you, you walk into the bar, you hear a crunching on the foot, you look down, you see sawdust all over the floor. Uh, several of it's soaked in blood. Some of it's soaked in beer. Some of it's soaked in something you don't want to identify. Urine. As, as you look up into the bar, you see blah, 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 blah. You know, that, you know paint the pictures. So when they step into the bar as a group, Everyone's for the most part seeing the same thing. Now they'll, you know, I'm looking for this because I'm a thief and I'm going to look for this because I'm the fighter and I'm going to look for this, you know, for different reasons. Everyone's going to have their class. Everyone's going to be looking for different things, which is fine. But the the broad stroke should be less broad um, and, and, and all the encounters as well, describing your monsters, describing what you're seeing, describing the buildings, description is really important. And it's a big, big part of um, the DM's job. Like you're, when you're doing that, you're on stage, you know, like all eyes are on you and mm-hmm. they're, and they're absorbing everything and their imaginations and their minds are kind of filling in the blanks. Um, one of the things that I really like to do that we've started doing in the past couple of years is, is using um, terrain. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that. That's a huge, huge help because you can uh, you can set up a scene so that you know theater of the mind still comes into play. But now you have this scene in miniature. You have that uh, tavern where they they're looking at it and going, "Okay, the the, the floors are the floors are wood," um, and there is that hay there, and that does kind of look like a a blood stain, you know, and that. You don't have to ask how many tables, how many chairs. There are tables. There are chairs. There are figs in those chairs or represented in those chairs. Um, you know where the bar is. Where's the bar? Well, you don't have to. You look at it's right there. It's on the left hand side. You don't have to just take the time to describe a lot of those things because they're right there in front of them. It takes a uh, it takes a huge load off of um, what you have to do as far as providing the description. And one of the other things we started doing, especially at our big game, because we have a lot of time to kind of set the scene, so to speak, is uh, background music. Yeah. And I think the players really, really like that. And we've even started playing around with background sounds. So if we're at the tavern, Bill's talking about, um, we have uh, tavern music playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, maybe uh, you're hearing things clank around yeah. and people laughing. And um, that really helps set the mood and get the players Oh, definitely. I'll, and I'll use one example. Um, like when we were playing at our yearly game this this year, um, when Jared lost his arm and he was getting his armor back, you had set the Avengers theme um, theme music up, and it just it brought chills to everybody because they were like, "This is happening. This is this is epic." Especially because he was a paladin and he lost his armor. Yep. Yeah, and and it it, it kind of put the spotlight on that one character. You know, it's it's nice to have your moment. You yeah. know? Oh, absolutely. Um, everybody, everybody has that kind of shared moment and they walk away going, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. And that's an integral part of the storytelling I think is, is really knowing your players and knowing their, their characters and seizing that opportunity to give them, give them their moment. I re- remember the first 
seven-year run of our week-long gaming vacation, I was playing with little cutscenes, giving some background for, well, Lou's character. I remember that. And um, he, uh, he escaped a, a prison in his past using a, uh, a sled that he made out of a, out of a, a, a blanket soaked with body fluids. And uh, he slid uh, down, the, uh, down the mountain to safety. But this little cutscene happened right after he did something very similar to that. Oh, yeah, you're sliding on a shield downstairs into a crowd of Into a crowd of enemies basically acting as a bowling ball, and it was was pretty cool because... Yeah, when you did that, it it, it gave, especially me, it gave me like the wow moment because I didn't even realize that that was part of a cutscene. And then you, when you put that in there at the same time, it was like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Well, that's also part of, like you said, knowing your players and what they're going to do, what they're likely to do. Because you're you're sitting there... you're setting up the story. You're also an arbitrator of, you know, of disputes, but you also just kind of sit back and let them have their moments. And as they're having their moments, you're just watching and how do they react to this and how do they react to that? And the good game masters will put this in a little, like I call the dusty Rolodex. I call a brain and remember this for later and say, well, he's did this. He did this. He did this. Oh, he, there's a pattern. You recognize those patterns. You write your scenario, give them their moment and play to that pattern and more often than not, they're not going to disappoint. But they're I, going to do what you thought they were going to do because you set there. All right, uh, let's set up the pins and let's see if he, uh, you know, you know, takes a shot at them. And they always do. Yep, they always like do. Yep. And that's another good part about telling the story is knowing your players enough where you can set these little scenes up. And it also helps keep things on track because we all know the players have a tendency to take your table and all of a sudden make a hard left turn when you're expecting them to go right or straight. So, you know, if you know your characters well enough, you can. that's a good way to not only keep the story going but also get it back on track if it's necessary. And, and get that, that player investment. Oh, absolutely. You player know, investment's huge. 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 Yep. yep, it is. Uh, I, I can't say enough about, you know, some of the stories you guys put together. Um just with us talking about what happened after the gaming sessions is usually uh, our highlight for us when we do that. But you mentioned something when a character takes that left turn, how would you bring them back into the turn you need them to be on? <clears throat> well, like I said, there's a couple of different ways. I just mentioned one. Right. You can always, you know, uh, transplant one of your encounters. Uh put it up in front of them, and once again, it's going to play to the strengths or weaknesses of one of the characters, and they're going to do exactly what you think you're going to do, and the consequences put them right back on track. So there's 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 a tons of methods that I use. That's that's one, is uh, having flexible and, and transplantable encounters. Not, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be in this one spot. It can happen anywhere, and the outcome puts them right back on track. And sometimes if you just roll with it, you know, it's going to, it's going to write itself and, uh, and find its way back, um, on its course. One, one example was the, uh, a few years ago, there was an encounter, um, where the party came across a, uh, a fighter cleric who was making his last stand against some, some baddies. And, and he was, the encounter was such that, you know, he would give some information with his dying breath, but 
the um, the the party as as players are apt to do, um, <laughs> you know, threw a crazy Ivan in there and and uh, mopped up the floor with the baddies before he had a chance to die and healed them and. <laughs> Um, he traveled with them for the remainder of that week and ended up becoming a uh, player character of one of our our, our, our players who uh, hadn't been there that year and who played him in such a oddly bizarre and endearing fashion that it was uh, it was heartbreaking to see him go when he did. <laughs> um, so sometimes you just you know. You Keep roll it organic, it. you yeah, know, and roll with it because they're as great as your imagination is. The collective of your table <laughs> will outdo you every time. Yeah, you know your outline is really, really important, and you got to have that outline for that story. If you're if you're running something of your own design, but you have to be really flexible, and sometimes just just let it happen and see where the players take it because they they will they'll take it into territory that you just. You can't imagine, right? You know, there's right. always that, always that wild card. There's that, there's that, that player that will come up with outlandishly creative, creative things to do. That you know, has the potential of derailing your game. We all know who that guy is, right, Lou? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. You know, one of, one of the. Uh, well, there's not by accident. Yeah, we don't have enough time today for that. Um, it's a whole episode by itself. Yeah, it is. How to handle how to handle a Lou. Um, and but the other thing too is you have to maintain that momentum. You know, you have to maintain oh, yeah. the momentum of the story so it doesn't it doesn't kind of stall out. No, no, and I, and I think your what you said earlier, like your background music, helps to do that as well. Keep the momentum going with the with the flow of the story. At least from what I've seen when you used it. Yeah, and, and really I think I use this term a lot. It's really more of an art form than it is a, a science. Agreed. Agreed. You, you have to it's it's gotta feel right to begin to propel them, you know, forward with something. Um if it doesn't then you really you really should just let it let it work itself out until that right opportunity comes. Uh, without without stalling them out, so they they end up with analysis paralysis, and they're kind of like chasing their tails or just walking around in circles. You know what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah. So how do how how do you keep a story going so they don't that doesn't happen? Then give us an example. Uh, sometimes uh, I like to uh, I like to insert an NPC into the party because, well, for the biggest reason being is. Uh, there's always that glimmer of hope that someday I'll be able to play. And, and that's, and that's an, you know, it's just a matter of taking, taking the notes on the NPC and um, converting it to a character so that someday one of my friends who's supposed to really like me will say, you know what, I'm going to give you a break and you can, you can play and I'll, um, I'll, I'll run the game. It hasn't happened yet. Yes, but, it has. But sooner sooner or later. Well, that's because when we draw the straws, everyone snaps them in half. And like, <laughs> oh, we all have short straws. Well, not this time. So that NPC I kind of use as a voice. And I use it use it as a voice um, 
In a, in a very different fashion. It, it's I try to stay away from the all-knowing NPC where everybody's like, oh, well, we're going to do what that guy says or that, that, that girl says. Sometimes they're wrong. Oh, yeah. And, and sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're kind of sort of in the middle or they really don't have a lot to lend to it depending on what kind of character it is. But I use that as, as uh, I use that voice to kind of prime the pump a little bit and get a discussion going about something if the discussion's kind of stalled out or if there's inter-party conflict, which, which <laughs> happens quite a bit. Um, Constantly and consistently. And there's got to be conflict for drama, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, well, it gives add story, adds element to the story. It, it it does. You know, one big happy family is boring. That's, you know? why, that's why I never watched the Brady Bunch. Yeah, uh, they're boring. Uh, as long as nobody's drawing blood or too much blood. Because we have every, blood. everything, Everything's <laughs> too, fine. Yeah, Too much is probably yeah. better. Um, and and I, I, I usually, I like to use one of Bill's uh, tactics. And if, if you're kind of stalling out, I'll, I'll throw an encounter your way. Um, and, and that will usually keep it going. When I and when I write too, a lot of times I'll I'll have um, non-story specific encounters. I usually have a cache of them. Uh, so if it looks like there's a, a you know kind of a not necessarily a dead end but a stalling point, you're waiting for somebody who had to run out and get the pizza. You had you know and the rest of the table's like oh, and you don't want to lose that momentum. You don't want to lose that feel. Um, you can pull one of those out. You know the old man who won't move his cart and pulls out his shovel and starts swinging at the paladin. Um, what's the paladin going to do? He's not going to beat up the old man. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's other players that will be, well, in the, most cases. The rogue played by Lou might. Yeah, well, uh, you know, <laughs> there's always going to be the characters that go, oh, I'll take care of it. Or know, the crack. fighter played by Lou might. <laughs> or the cleric there's, played there's by a, Lou. There's always I, just cause. I, I will heal him right off this pathway. Um, <laughs> But you know, you throw a you throw a non story specific encounter. Have two, three, four of these things, you know, squirreled away. And if you use one up, make a couple more. And it's a good way to kind of keep the momentum going. And like again, a lot of times these things will grow a life of their own. And when they do, you run with it. Uh, let, let it might turn into an NPC that is going with the party. It might turn into someone who has some information uh, to get them back on the path that they or they can find something if it isn't a person it's an object that'll get them back on path or give them a direction a compass point or a cardinal point if nothing else so there's there's a variety of ways to kind of get them back on the path yeah you have to adjust on the fly oh yeah there's a, like i said you pull the crazy they're going to pull the crazy ivans constantly and some some characters do it on purpose they look or, oh, yeah, no, we're not talking about you again, Lou. Uh, no, um, not, not this time, no. <laughs> well, not mostly. Um, there are some characters that that's, what, that's their enjoyment is, all right, let's see how we can derail it this time. So, yeah, and, and there is that fine line, too, you have to maintain between the sandbox and, and the railroad. You oh, know, yeah. There's, um, if it's a, uh, you know, if too much of a sandbox, then they're going to spend their night uh, drinking and carousing in the next town they find and forget that, you know, they're on a mission to save the world or whatever it happens to be. So you have to, you have to kind of nudge them along. And, and sometimes you, you have to really adjust the stats of a monster on the fly. You know, you think, you think you got these, these players figured out and they, uh, and they, they just steamroll over your big bad. Well, every now and again, instead of 
acting independently like they almost always do, uh, out of the clear blue sky, they decide, hey, let's let's work together. And this one piles onto that one, onto this one, and this attack. And they come up with a tactic that's absolutely phenomenal. And you're right, they roll over your big bad. Yeah, it, it, it happened to me a couple of years ago. I had a, a, a really, uh, I even had the fig for it too, which I was pumped about. And uh, it was going to be a tough battle, at least in my mind. That's what it was. It was going to be really hard and really challenging. On paper, it was amazing. It was. It was. It was great. It looked great on paper, and I, um, I rolled probably the worst in it. You know, one of the the only uh, one of the well, one of the many times my dice really kind of screwed me over. Um, I was I was dead last, and um, they just they obliterated them. I think and, it lasted one round. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he didn't even get an attack. And as they're as they're just laying the smackdown on him, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll half the damage. You know, I got to give these guys a challenge. And even doing that, it was just done. It was embarrassing. You all have to keep in mind that Scott's dice never work in his favor. He he buys a new set. Every, every time, year. every year we go away for our one-week gaming, he buys a new set, sometimes two, and then almost immediately resists the urge to huck them out into the ocean, which is just a couple hundred yards down the road. They do me dirty. Um, <laughs> he's the fair. only person I've ever known that rolled less than a one on a D20. He rolls that bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's sad, and my my players at my table, they rejoice we know <laughs> and they, it, and they laugh at me, and it's uh, and they're just they're just cruel. Well, from the other room, we hear the 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 the, the heckling and the laughter, yeah. and and you get, join in, and we can almost hear them pointing at you. Um, it is it is that enjoyable for them because uh, we roll we run multiple tables. Uh, he'll get game master one, and I'll be game master the other on on parallel storylines, and. Our whole table will all of a sudden hear this uproarious, you know, raucous and and laughing, and like, oh, Scott rolled the one again. And the insensitivity is contagious. Oh, it's 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 glorious to watch. It's, it's enjoyable. It's it's glorious to watch. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a train wreck full of one, full of puppies and unicorns. One it's of just... these days, <laughs> I one of these days I'll find that set of dice that truly appreciates me. You've been saying that for twelve years. Twelve. <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm bound to at any minute find that. It'll be our twentieth year. It'll be <laughs> the, the 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 hunt goes on. Yeah, yep. search continues for the magical dice, and the numbers will be too small for me to see. <laughs> That's okay. We'll just buy a bigger magnifying glass or a bigger set of dice. <laughs> or bigger, yeah. Wow. So you were talking about interparty conflict. Yes. How do you deal with that? Into so nobody gets their feelings hurt. If it uh, well, we have a pretty insensitive group of players uh they oh, they're, they're heartless yeah they have thick skin um, and not just to the game master to each other as well they uh yeah yeah they'll they'll threaten one another's lives um like for real and uh <laughs> and then and then be fine with it afterwards um so that's that's good In, interparty conflict it's gonna happen yeah it's just uh if it if it's something that moves the storyline forward i think it's i think it's great oh yeah let it play out yeah especially if it's uh like opposed ideologies opposed approaches towards something uh, a solution 
uh, one person, you know, they they don't want to they don't want to, they don't want to harm their prisoner. Uh, they just want to question them. The other person wants torture. to yeah, torture, well, burn let, their feet. Let's pull let's their torture them so the other one knows we're serious. Yeah, <laughs> it, it works. works. Yep. <laughs> We knew you'd say that. So we know <laughs> which side of the coin Lou is on, always. Um, and and usually, I think the only time inter-party, inter-party conflict, conflict can be wildly entertaining. Um, oh, absolutely. And, <laughs> and I, I think it really it does a lot for uh, development of characters and, and stories, too, because I've seen characters just grow and develop in, in, in maybe, I don't know, maybe for lack of a better term, they may not always agree with the other characters approach towards things, but after interacting with them for a number of number of years, there's, there's a mutual respect. Uh, it's either that, or they just figured out a workaround. <clears throat> yeah. And, and that's, and, and some of it is, is, is and that too. That's often where the comedy comes from. Yes. Yes. Yep. Where um and there's God there's dozens of stories dozens. Uh, that we could tell about about that most most of them involving Lou, um, <laughs> so when it becomes a problem I don't know if you agree or not is when it's it's um, interparty conflict amongst players that's a tougher one yeah the, the player you know the the characters it is just well uh, that's what it says on my sheet and that's usually the first go to. Um, you know, and there's ways to work around that. But when it's the players themselves, uh, that can become real tricky. And my usual go-to is you can always tell who's the instigator. Yeah, and that'll stop a story. That'll take oh, a if, story in, in a game to a screeching halt. Oh, it'll destroy an entire yeah. scenario, and it'll yep. destroy an entire you know gathering. I mean, you, yeah. there are players that won't show up. Yeah, that's what we want to try to avoid at the and, same time. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my usually, my first tactic is is to catch that one person as they're coming into the game or as they're leaving mm-hmm. a, a, a little one-on-one away from everyone else saying, you know, dude, this is what's happening. This is what you're doing. Are you doing it on purpose? Or is this just, oh, and it's like, well, that's what my character says. No, 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 no. I don't care what your character sheet says, right? This is what you're doing. And you can't blame it on the piece of paper because the piece of paper isn't driving the character. Yeah. You are. Right. And if it keeps happening, right, uh, there's going to be changes. And I don't want to do that. I, I want everyone to have a good time, including you. But your good time does not come at the expense of everyone yes. else. And if that's the case, the one is going to suffer, not the many. And sometimes they they may not even realize it. You know, that might have been a bad habit that they had um, carried from another gaming group. Well, when they gamed in the cellar with their two cousins and their younger brother who yeah. with mom made you let them into the game. Um, you're right, and that which is why I say one of the first things, do you realize you're doing it and are you doing it on purpose? Yeah, because sometimes they don't. A lot, a lot of people don't. Yeah, yep. I've I've had players say, you know, I just I I didn't realize that. And they have used the well, that's that's what you know, that's what my 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 character says and it's you're right. The characters are driven by the player. There's there's a um there's a social contract I think that you have that may or may not be um vocalized at at the table, but it's it is. It's for everybody's enjoyment. 
Um, and it, that's it is supposed to be a cooperative game. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I I treat the character sheet as a guideline. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and that's a good way to approach it. It's very much so the outline of your character, much like your your notes are the outline of 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 a campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, there's hard numbers on there that you have to go by. It's like, yeah. oh, well, I'm going to interpret it, interpret my strength as being stronger this time. No, your strength is what's on the character sheet. But it's it, we're talking about the, the character flaws and the disadvantages. And you know, uh, let's say now you have your bonds and your flaws in the 5th edition. Before, it was a variety of different secondary skills and well, that's what my skill is. You know, you can't fall back on the sheet saying the sheet made me do it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind, that's it's not kind an of, answer. Yeah, it's it's kind of a cop out, and and it it may not be so much that sometimes as it is um, just a uh, an unseasoned player. It yeah. I think playing with a bunch of different groups over your time really really gives you a good idea of um, what good gameplay is. And and good gameplay is simply enough. Uh, is everybody having a good time? Right? You're not stepping on anybody's toes intentionally. And when you're called on it, you know you kind of you change that behavior, offer an apology, and and, and you know move on. Um, it's when you get folks that have had very limited gaming experiences that that you run into a lot of those those problems. Uh, absolutely, you know, it, it, true. Yeah, that's because they haven't had a chance to mature to the game yet. Right, right. right. And sometimes they're just, you know, there's an individual that's contrary. This is true. And that's their, that's their persona. That's their makeup. Yeah. And they're going to do the opposite just because that's what they do. And we have our share of those as well. Yep. Um, and you, you learn to deal with it because a lot, and it takes you back to the beginning where you know what your players are going to do sometimes before they do. Um, and when you're writing your, your story, when you're writing your scenario, you're writing your encounters, you could almost expect what's going to happen. And you yeah. take in the play, the people who are going to be your power characters are going to stand up there and, all right, I'm going to take the hit for everybody. And who's going to be the one that sneaks around, always tries to sneak around and from the back? Um, it's a little girl selling flowers. I'm going to, I'm going to sneak up behind her uh, so, I, so I can get uh, double damage on a surprise attack. She's uh, she might be a demon in disguise. Or yeah, yeah. Or she's six like years old and she's selling posies at a copper each to help her family what the hell are you doing but you know who's going to do what so you you should be thinking ahead of time all right this is who's going to this is the encounter this is what's going i want to happen um we know that's not going to happen but what are they going to do and mr contrary mrs contrary is going to do what they're going to do so you should think of a counter for it ahead of time yeah, and that's why it's key to be prepared. You know, being prepared mm-hmm. though is is that's tricky too. Uh, yeah, you, you want to be prepared, but you don't want to be over prepared because if you're over prepared, you, you just wasted a lot of time. Right, and you, you don't have that wiggle room. You know, you're too rigid. I think it causes more confusion too. Yeah, it's it's like a um, it, it's like an oak in the wind kind of. Yeah, uh, it's going to crack if if it doesn't sway, and and that's. That's kind of like your campaign or your or your game session um, for that for that evening. You you got to be able to sway in the breeze a little bit. Well, I think a lot of that too comes with experience. Um, you're going to use your past experiences. Right, this happened, that happened. I'm going to go with it this way. Oh, I've seen this happen before. All right, the last time I used this and it worked, I'm going to use it again uh, with a slight variance. So uh, again, experience comes 
comes into hand, you know, comes into play. For those that don't have the experience, um, which is kind of why we're doing this whole podcast in the first place. You're welcome. Ta-da. Thank you. you. (laughs) Yes, take it off mute. Yes, I will. Still Um, learning. But that's just it. You know, you... We're, we're trying to give you a few ideas. Now, we've talked about a problem, 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 problem. All right, how about a couple answers? Um, you have, you how are you going to arbitrate this? Let the book decide. You let them fight it out. Uh, let it run its course for a little bit until you have to recorrect, you know, recorrect it. Uh, it. It falls to who your players are, who your game master is. You have to take the feel of your table. And if it feels like, okay, all right, do that. All right, that's enough. All right, let's get back on track. Boom, done. You may have to take a hard fist and go, all right, that was fun for a while, but okay, I'm going to pull out the retroactive card and we're going to start right back to here because you guys are a bunch of idiots. Um, so what are you going to do from this point forward? And if you, you know, and that usually corrects it if they you know, they decide to go hardcore on, on you and say, well, screw them up real bad. You got that. Or you can, like I said, you can let the books aside. Um, there's all right, here's the encounter, here's the monster, here's its effects. Um, just run it off the numbers. And that's that's the way it happened. Okay, you know, for good, bad, or ugly, that's the way it happened. Uh, well, but I want to do this. I'm sorry, but the, the book right there says. Right. All right. So you can go rules lawyer on them, uh, which actually works a lot of times with your rules lawyers. Sometimes. Uh, toward, toward, and surprisingly not often enough with your rules lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because they have another rule to get around it. But uh, – a lot of times, I think sometimes you just have to just nip it in the bud um, right out and say, all right, well, okay, well, you know, that was fun, but we realized that didn't happen, okay? Uh, we're going to go back to this point, and that's where we're starting from. If it if it doesn't have to be that bad, then just let them duke it out uh, If with the each other, with the, like I said, a lot of times the interparty conflict builds friendships where you didn't think friendships would be between the characters. The players is another matter. But then again, a lot of times the inter-party conflicts transfers to the players and the players will talk it out after the fact going, oh, that, well, I did it because of this. Oh, I didn't realize you had that as yeah. a flaw. Or, oh, gee, I thought you're just simply being a, an idiot. Uh, no, it's, it's part of my character flaw. You didn't and, have you to know, look at me when you said that. Sorry, because we all knew who you're talking about. My eyes naturally gravitated that direction because something caught my eye. Um, You, you made me lose my train of thought. Thanks. Remember, I'm old. I derail easy. (laughs) Well, Scott, I told you it was going to happen. Yeah, it it was only a matter (laughs) of time. And you know, one of the other big things too, I think, I think this is key to being a. Well, being good at your craft as, as a DM is you're uh, you're a character actor, mm-hmm. um, and you're not you're a character actor like like those character actors in movies or TV shows. You know those faces you see all the time. You have to be every other person in the world, other than the player characters. Well, I tell the characters all the time. See that piece of paper in front of you? That's you. Me, I'm the rest of the flipping universe. Yeah, and that's 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 as difficult to manage sometimes is being the storyteller because you're um you're you're all these different personalities and under normal circumstances you'd probably need medication because it's not healthy <laughs> but you have to pull these other personalities out of out of the air 
um, and keep it entertaining and use body language between different uh, NPCs, accents if you could do accents, even if you can't. Do it anyway. Yeah, a bad accent is still fun. Yeah. yeah. We've been doing that a lot lately. Yeah. Lately, yeah. accents have been cropping up. The yeah. fun part is when you start a Scottish accent, and by the end of the night, everyone has a Scottish accent. Yeah. Or I usually start a Scottish accent, and I, I end up relocating to Australia <laughs> at, at some point in time, and I get called on it. Um, one, of the, one of the big things is make them it – sounds, it sounds weird – saying this about a fantasy role-playing game, but make them believable like they're real people. Yeah, make them realistic. So not every every tavern owner is a retired adventurer. That's called role-playing. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're... Yeah. Yeah. Not, not everyone has that sword that's on the plaque above the bar that, you know, you're right. You know, just Sometimes stay. there's someone's grandma right. who just owns a tavern. Yeah. That's it. Just a little lady who owns a tavern. Yep. Nothing special. And being the villain too is another, another difficult one. I think, I think um, being the villain is always tricky because you don't want to default to that black hat. No, no. You know, it's, you know you're it's, twirling the mustache, and and you're you're tying the lady to the railroad tracks. Snidely whiplash. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I dated myself yes, again. Did. No, that's right. Well, Penelope Pitstop <laughs> was the blonde strapped to the, uh, the railroad yep, track. Yep. So. <clears throat> but that's that's a that's a, a a difficult portrayal to have. Uh, I think it's always best to make them understandable and relatable. You know, not everybody wants to see the world burn. Sometimes there's that crazy one that does, and is just like nuts. Why, why'd you look at Lou? And they're and they're fun. You're not supposed to look at me. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, you, you you watch Black Panther. Uh, after halfway through the movie, we went we went to see that when we were on vacation. Halfway through the movie, I'm like, you know what, Killmonger's not that bad of a guy. I, I can get behind what he's, the you know, the statement he's making. Yeah. And, you know, even kind of Darth Vader. You know, everybody uses Darth Vader as an example, but I think he's a pretty good example. You, you, you're like, okay, this, this guy ended up this way because of all the bad stuff that happened to him. And he was actually kind of looking at doing something good, but it just... Someone it, it, else was pulling the strings. and Yeah, so those believable villains or those relatable villains that... I think relatable is a better word. Relatable, yeah. yeah makes yeah. makes people scratch their head, makes those players go like, geez, I don't I don't know what side I'm on now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, is he ba- the bad guy or is he just a, a good guy who's not as good as I thought? Yeah. Or is the bad guy not as bad as I thought? And you're right. I think a lot of it is throwing some relatability in there, uh, whether it's you know real world um, parallels or you skirt them on the dark edge where everyone's in the gray area. Or yeah, I was hired by this guy, so that makes him the good guy because I'm working for him, and you find out that he's not the good guy. Uh, another, you know, he's he was charismatic. He was nice. He gave me things, um, and he's the bad guy. And the other one who's shooting at me, he's the he's the good guy. How did I end up on the other side? I'm, yeah, s- some, I'm supposed to be the good guy. Yeah, sometimes they don't know. It's hard yeah. to track it track it back to it. It's, and but that that's when you know you've pulled it off is when they kind of look confused at you, going, "I thought I was the good guy. Why am I being chased?" 
you know, why isn't my name on the wanted poster? I'm supposed to be chasing the guy who's on the wanted poster. I'm next to him now. How the hell did that happen? It's a good question. How did that happen, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. Yeah, the, the, the player villain, agency. The, that's the, how it happened. <laughs> the villain is the fun one to play, but you're right. It, it is is definitely more difficult to be able to put that together and make it believable, make it relatable, make it so it you know it it starts off black and white and, and then slowly fades into gray and then it comes out purple, pink, and orange and you're like, where the hell am I now? Um, but that then they got to figure it out. And that's what drives them. That's what keeps, you know, hopefully that's what drives them and keeps them coming back for more going, okay, uh, if we just talk to this one other guy, maybe we'll figure it out and let them chase that guy and whether they catch him or not and whether it clears it up or just muddies the water even further. But, yeah, the villains are the fun ones to play. And that's where the inter-party conflict really gets interesting because you have different viewpoints on morality. Oh, oh yeah. Well, morale, yeah. Even if it's just simple point of view, even if you don't take yeah. morality in it, just simple point of view. This is how I interpret it, and that's how you interpret it, and uh, we're not on the same page. And that happens quite often. Yeah, and it's If it's, it's, and it's done great. right. Yeah. yeah. If it's done right, yeah. It's, it's awesome when it's done right. Um, when it's just like people drawing swords um, or bows or what, I shoot them. That's the it's the, the response. To, <laughs> you disagree with me, I shoot them. <laughs> we don't have too much too much of that uh, in, in our group. Um, no, no. They usually wait and see, then shoot them when they turn around. Yeah. Well, some some people do. There's some, some people that will still walk up there and shoot them. Yeah, true. True. Um, I, that also, now that takes us on to the next topic. Um, where do you set your guidelines? Where do you set your rules? Um, yeah, that, that's, um, that's tricky. And, that, and that, that intermingles with, you know, being an arbit, arbiter of disputes. And we talked about that uh, a little bit at the beginning. Um, yeah, where do, you, where do you set your rules? I, I like the idea of a session zero session zero is kind of divisive some people think it's 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 silly other people uh swear by it i think it's kind of kind of good to set that that rule set out i I definitely agree with that not only that it gives them all the characters a chance to talk amongst themselves either because you guys remember your session zero you sometimes know each other sometimes you don't but at least you can get a perspective on where everybody's coming from. Right. That would, you know, backgrounds come into play. We're, we've always been real big on, you know, write your backgrounds, write yep. your backgrounds. And when we do our week-long getaway, if you write a background, you get experience points. You get extra points for, for a decent background because not only does it set your character, but it also gives the Game Master something to use with, for, and against you. Mm-hmm. But it also, you can see how that plays against the other characters. So if they're willing to give a portion of that up, the other characters can use that to moderate, you know, moderate where they look at you, where they sit yeah. into it. So the session zero is a good place to hammer that out, where you can give your pieces of your background, saying, "Well, this is where I come from." It's like, "Well, I, hey, I came from that too. Uh, hey, why don't we just come from the same place? We know each other." Yeah, okay, boom, per- done. A perfect example is um, our last game. I think a quirk was here. Um, we ended up. You know, because, you know, we kind of chose the same background. We were both abused by our parents. We just said, why don't we just come from the same parent, parents, I should say. Yeah. I stayed and he left, so he was the outcast. But because of that, we were able to 
forge that little bit of a, a story between us. Yeah, a little bit of a bond. Yeah. yeah. And then that works out well. And that, that, that panned itself out in session zero. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Some people don't, you know, don't go by them. For us, it's worked because, it, yeah. you know, because we can turn around and give a base outline on the story before they even start their characters. And it's like, okay, now our session zero oftenly is your character creation. And yep. we'll give them some guidelines. We'll give them a basic on the story uh, with a, a, a little bit of detail and uh, a little bit of history. And that's like, all right, that's the world you're, you're starting in. And that helps it helps keep it in kind of in check a little, not necessarily in check, but it helps keep them on the path where they're not making this off the wall, you know, that doesn't, this character that doesn't really jive with the storyline, the area, or even the genre sometimes. The lone yeah. wolf. Or yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. It's great to be a lone wolf, but it's a great thing, you know, uh, when you're like a, a, a lone dinosaur and, right. you know, in the year 2030, mm-hmm. um, that just doesn't work. Yeah. You're, you're showing up to a, a high fantasy game with your beer and pretzels character. Right. And, uh, it just, it just doesn't mesh. And that's, that's a, that session zero is a great opportunity to, um, lay that out. You know, this is the kind of, this is the kind of game that I'm thinking of putting on, or what do you guys want to see? in in a game because oftentimes you can you can hit up on what everybody is really looking for some of the best some of the best movies and i always go back to the uh the marvel movies especially the avengers because i'm i'm a huge nerd and i liked comic books growing up but they they give you a lot of a lot of everything and that's why they're really entertaining yeah you get you get your drama and you get your your um you know your your bits of comedy and your action and and it 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 works nicely and i think a lot of, a lot of players especially ours they they like those little bits of levity in oh, a game if it's yeah. like been really intense and we've had some some pretty intense um uh game sessions be it with combat or party conflict or or just uh, loss of characters. Oh, there's been weeks where people have you know stormed out of the game and came back the next week and were still pissed. Yeah, um, at what another character did or another player said or something like that, um, because our char- our players have a tendency to get fairly invested in their characters deeply. Well, well deeply we've been invested. playing for. Years upon years, sometimes right, yeah. and and every once in a while you'll hit on that one character that that for you is really really works, and everyone just you know accepts it and like wow that's that's so unlike the person, but the persona is so believable and so well rounded that they just adopt it, and whether they like the the character or not is another matter. The fact that they they like it. You know, and they and they're like, okay, this is this is a real world wound, and they love the character. So you get those conflicts sometimes, and it it transfers over to the players yeah. quickly. Uh, and uh, now we'll take it full circle. It takes you back to all right. Um, I'm pissed at him, so now I'm going to do this to him because he did that to me. Uh, and. Okay, party conflicts one thing, but party revenge. Party yeah. revenge is another, and that's where that's where the rules come back in to play. You know, yeah. play. We yeah. have not necessarily a lot of house rules, but we have a, a, a few here and there, um, and they're somewhat loosely interpreted. It's a, a case by case, you know, situation in most most times. But the group is pretty good at 
it's sticking to them. Yeah, yeah, and and the uh, there there's a, a handful, um, especially when we go away on our gaming vacation. But mm-hmm. they're, you know, they, they they pack a punch. They they cover a lot of ground. Those few those few rules, and and one of it is the big one is you know don't don't ruin the fun of yeah. the other the other players. It's it's just unfair, um, and it's uh, you know it's not what the game's about. Right, and, and I'm not saying that you know people have to adopt our rules, but you should come up with rules for your table that fit your table. Uh, if you're, you know, if it, it could be just the time you play, right? We start at six and we end at ten. We have to end at ten, ten because that's when mom goes to bed, or grandma goes to bed, and someone's got to go to work or something like that. And you know, and all right, I want to keep playing. I want to keep playing. This is awesome. Well, nope, sorry, the house rule says we're end at, we we stop at ten or eleven or whatever. Right, it right. could be as simple as just the time. It could be, you know, hey, let's keep the profanity to a minimum. There are children in the house. Yep. Um, we don't worry about that here. Right. We are profane riddled at our tables, but we are all more than uh, older people. Oh, yeah. And there's no kids in the house, so you kind of get away with a certain amount of um, levity. But again, that's that's a house rule that works here. And I think one of the other ones that we have is, you know, if we have inter-party conflict between characters, don't let it travel, you know, travel over to the to the folks themselves. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we will, if it looks like people are getting heated um, and it looks like the player is getting aggravated with another player, mm-hmm. there's more than enough of us that will, because we, we've been together long enough, we will pull them aside saying, dude, you know, just let it ride. You know, just, yeah. it's it's just goofy. He had, he had a bad day. And he needs to take it out on somebody and it just happened to be your character or, you know, or did something that you didn't like. Um, but don't, you know, it's it's not against you. Right, you know, and meanwhile, someone's got the other character person aside, going, "Dude, you what? You did what? You did a dirty. You did him dirty, and you know, you really can't do that. It's going to piss him off." Mm-hmm. I, I understand you had a bad day, or the wife, you know, got an argument with the wife, or you know, you were late to the game, or whatever the excuse is. But don't take it out on the people, and don't use the characters and his excuse to take it out on the people. Right. Um, yeah, and, sh- shake hands, offer an apology for your transgression, and yeah. let's move on. You know, yep. let's have a good time. We're all hey, friends. Hey, here. dude, I was, uh, I was, I was a dick, and I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I didn't mean it, and you know, I kind of, you know, took it too far. Hey, it's not against you. I, you know, you know and, and that more than often will take care of the situation, and everything. And next week, it's like, oh man, last week you were such an sob. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, and, and boom, done. Yep. Well, that, that, and that's usually how it goes, though, especially with our table. You know, yep. we're, we're we're very good with each other. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with um, I'm not going to say it's it's our age because we're all still basically 12. We're just trapped in 50 year old bodies. Uh, but it's we've oh, been gaming to be together. Oh, to be 50 you know, for a long time. You know, so we all know we all know what upsets the other person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's kind of off limits. Yep. But if you don't know, then you really have to have that conversation. What's off limits? You know, do you? Uh, I've I've had uh, DMs that relished in, in torturing a character. You know, do you fade to black or, you know, are you okay with, you know, the sadist at the end of the table, you know, <laughs> describing the bamboo shoots going up your fingernails or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, know those boundaries, you know, and respect them. Again, that goes back to knowing your players. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing is when you with your house rules, um, in – Stay consistent. That, even with the rules in the book, the book will tell you right out, it's a guideline. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not a Bible. 
You got to remember that everybody too. That's uh, yeah. It, it it yeah. It it keeps everyone on the same page, but it is not the end all and be all, right? It is always open for interpretation, but be consistent in your interpretations. Yep. Okay. If all your kobolds have seventeen hit points, then they always have seventeen hit points. Um, they're not going to have forty two next week and only six the week after that. And yeah, there's. There's a lot to be said for scalable foes and scalable monsters, uh, but be consistent in your rules, no matter what they are, uh, and that will help keep things in check because people will know what to expect. They know where they're supposed to go. They know what they're supposed to do. Uh, rules are there for a reason to make sure everyone has a good time. And if you if you waffle on the rules, then they're going to test the boundaries all the time, and then there's going to be chaos. Yeah, and everything everything breaks down um, when that happens. So you really do. You have to you have to have that that structure of rules that because your players are going to uh, make an effort to adhere to those rules. You know, they're going to be respectful of them because a lot of times, if you really have a discussion with your players, they're the ones helping to establish those house rules. Oh, in most cases, yeah. What almost yeah, most all cases. Yep. And to. To wrap things up, I think we need to talk about what is probably the most important role as the game master, and I think oftentimes you're that person that's organizing the event. Um, and this is where it's, I mean, it's key. You can't have a game if there's there's no organization. I, I think of 11 years ago, we Bill and I, we organized our, our week-long gaming vacation, and we've been doing it. Well, I think this is the twelfth year. Yeah, we're coming up on the twelfth year. Yeah, we are on twelve. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assuming they they lift all the quarantines and everything, you know, it's our intention to go. This will be our twelfth year, and uh, we organize the event. Sitting in my kitchen on my day off, <clears throat> and he looks at me and goes, "Remember when we were kids and you grabbed the your dice bag and the you know your crown royal bag full of dice and your books and you ran over to Bobby's house because their parents had the beat up banquet table in the cellar." And they didn't care how much noise you made. And you'd go over Friday right after school and and all day Saturday and all day Sunday until your parents picked you up Sunday night. He looks at me now and goes, I want to do that again. I said, yeah, find one of our houses where we one of us doesn't end up divorced by the end of the weekend. Uh, but 45 minutes later, we had a place and a bunch of people and a menu and the building of a scenario. Yep. And that started the whole thing. Yeah, and... Being, you, you, of course, you don't have to organize on on that big of a scale, but really, you should you should try it. It's if you it, won't regret it. Yeah, if you have a group of folks you've been gaming with for a while, go spend a week with them and game all day. Well, we didn't start as a week. We actually started as a long weekend. Yeah, a long weekend was nice, but start as a week. Yeah, definitely well, go we, for we, the week we, if you we, could get away with it. Yeah, we've <laughs> since progressed to that point where. Um, First, it was a long weekend. Then it, 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 it was a day added to the beginning, and then a day added to the yeah, end, then yeah. another day to the beginning. And at foot in the, We used foot-in-the-door syndrome. Uh, yeah. It's usually used in criminal enterprises, but in this case, we used it to convince our significant others that it was a good idea, just they, little by little. They believed it, too. Yeah. They were probably 10 steps ahead of us. They were uh, like, sure I they hope they're going to go for a week. Cause yeah, I, oh, that's My wife says that every single day. Can't you leave now? Yeah. How <laughs> about a month? Yeah, that'd just, be great. you know, just, if you come back, oh, okay, just don't make any noise when you come in the house. Um, you're, you're right. Uh, you got to organize it, whether it's a weekly game, 
You got to have a place that you can go to. Now, if it's a rotation where, all right, this we're going to be at Lou's house this week, and Scott's and and then mine, then Lou's, then Scott's and mine. That's fine as long as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't leave it out in the open. Let them know. What, you know, put your game together. Who's going to be the game master? Who's you know who's going to bring this? Who's going to bring that? Is your food involved? Is your drink involved? Yeah. Who's good? Or whose turn is it to bring the case of Coke? Yeah. Whose turn is it to bring the pizza? Bring snacks. Bring snacks. Uh, establish that like it's more important than your characters at session zero. Yep. Uh, establish that. <laughs> Don't show up without snacks. I will say right now, I have always been, always been susceptible to bribes. Most of them edible. So. Or drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that I'm older, yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised where the, a bottle cap and a pop and a little bit of, you know. But, um, yeah, uh, bribe your game masters. Um, whether it works or not, it'll keep them in a good mood, at least for the first 10 minutes. So you're not the first to die. Uh, yeah. I know it's shameless, <laughs> yes. you know, to, as the game person who game masters all the time, to say bribe your game master. Um, it works. Oh, I know. It works. I'm, I'm usually whoever's game master, you need a drink. I'll be right back and run to the bar, go get them a drink. <laughs> I know I'm safe yes, for a little while. Yes, you do. It gives you a, sl- a little bit of a respite, just a bit. Um, yeah. Just. Uh, whether it's you're like so we talk about our week long game we've been doing this for coming up on 12 years um whether it's that whether you're bringing everyone to a convention a gaming convention mm-hmm. yeah. organize get your transportation set up who's going to drive where are you going to go how far is it tickets things like that uh, scott and i have gone to gen con a couple times and a bunch of cons as well uh, together we we you know he takes care of one aspect i take care of the other boom everything's done we're we're off and flying um organize it Get a, write it down on a, in a pad. Make sure you cut, cross your T's, dot your I's. Whether it's the weekly game, a week-long game, going to a convention. I don't care if just as a group. The whole group gets together, let's go to King Richard's Fair. Yep. Instead of gaming <clears throat> on a Saturday, let's all pile into a vehicle and let's go to a Ren, uh, you know, to a Ren Fair. Um, it's still a club activity. And you'd be, you'd be surprised that something as goofy as just doing that on the spur yeah. of the moment can inspire both your players and your game masters you know, see something going, that is cool. That would make a really good encounter or this or that or anything. It's amazing what gets the juices flowing sometimes for creativity. And I think it it makes for a more cohesive group of players too. I I think of when we go away, we'll game from nine in the morning till about five 30 at night. Yeah. Five 30. And then we have the rest of the night where we'll sit down and shoot the breeze or play board games or, go to a movie or, you know, something. But doing something outside of the game, you know, organize those things with your, your gaming group that aren't necessarily game-related. No, it creates that bond, that yeah. friendship. Go out go out and be friends and, uh, yeah, solidify that bond of friendship because that's going to translate over into your gaming table too. As as the DM, I think sometimes people look at you for almost, almost every aspect of, of, of the game, even – non game related game related stuff um you got to be careful that could be a trap too cuz they expect you to do everything but it, as a this game is coming from the guy who's cooked every meal at our week long getaway for the past dozen years he knows he from experience he knows <laughs> hey i do what i love um uh, but don't be afraid to uh, assign something you know who's willing to do all right all right we're going to the ren fair somebody who, who who's been to one really okay take do me a favor find out how much the tickets are 
you know, how much does this cost? How much does that cost? Can you take, I got to write the scenario for this coming week. Can you do me a favor and just make a couple phone calls? Yep. De- you know, delegate a little bit. And, you know, that way you can say, hey, well, you know, hey, Lou put this whole thing together, not me. I'm the, I just run the game. Lou's the one to put together this. And and Scott put this together. Uh, what, what, you get, we did a uh, um, ghost hunt. Yes. Yes, we did. You know, went to you know a, a supposed uh, alleged haunted house, and you know it was another thing that we did together. Uh, we still got to do that, that Scotch tasting. I still have the tickets. Over yeah, there. I, I do too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for that one too. <laughs> but I think there's I, a few people that are. We still but, have but there's to go a out number there of things that. as a group, and like I said, uh, Lou says this all the time. He comes to the game because he wants to hang with his friends. The game is just some uh, an excuse to do it. Now we, Lou enjoys his game. You can tell by how much havoc chaos and havoc yeah. that he wreaks. <laughs> um, he enjoys his gaming. But he's right. You're with a bunch of friends. Now, we, the three of us have known each other for 30-something years. There's no reason why someone else can't have friends that they've been together for 30 years and start a game. You already got the friendship solid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, our friendship built not necessarily around the game, but it certainly helped. Yep. And we did a lot of things a- outside the game as well. Yep. But that helps nurture the friendship. And <clears throat> come all the way back to the beginning, you have your story. Right? But your story is how you get your friends together. It's, it's the reason why all your friends show up. But hopefully these are your friends showing up. Yes. And it's not just the story. It's not just the game. It's the experience of it sharing this with your other friends. That's what makes the hobby great. That's what makes that. That's what makes the hobby. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it, it is keeps being it going. A, it's something to do with your mm. friends. Um, so if if nothing else, get a hold of your friends. Um, your house rules up to you. You know how you handle it up to you. Your story up to you. Your genre up to you. But have fun. Have fun and have fun with your friends. Well, thank you guys, and that's going to conclude this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, like us on Facebook. Please subscribe. Share with your friends. And listen to new episodes every Tuesday. And we'll see you next week in the Dungeon Master's Dojo.